when you see all that I have set up for you, it's going to take your breath away. Now, God prophesied this to me while I was reading the word before it ever happened. That's how powerful the word of God is. That's how I believe God is going to speak today a word over your life by the Spirit. You're going to hear a word today. As he says in Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you. God can speak one word over your life that will change your destiny. Young man, I don't, I don't know you, but what's your name? Josiah. God has a destiny over you. He has a plan over you. You've been called out, you do not fit in. You are set apart. His hand is upon your life. And don't say that I'm too young. For before you were born in your mother's womb, God knew you. He set you apart. He made you a prophet. He gave you a word. He put his word in your mouth. And he said in Joshua 1 and chapter 8, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, he said, If you meditate on my word day and night and be careful to do everything in it, he said, I will make your way prosperous and successful. So if you want to be prosperous and successful, there's already a blueprint. It's called the word of God. Amen. It is your life. I bless you, young man. I believe that God wants to release word. Now, is there anybody in here that got to go? Raise your hand if you got to go somewhere. You got to do somewhere. Okay. Because to be honest, I'm on an assignment today and I'm locked and loaded. I got a, listen, I got an AR. I got a fully loaded handgun. I got, I look like rainbow in spirit. Y'all can't see it right now. And I've come. But the reason why I'm loaded is because I've been through fire, y'all. Amen. Anybody here that's in the fire today, just, I need to know if you're in the fire because this word is for you. Amen. Are you in a storm today? Okay. All right, so we're going to get into this. I need a few, few ministers that can read some of the word with me today. Um, I would encourage you to have a piece of paper. I would encourage you to have pen. I would encourage you to have Phone, have some notes. Um, I remember when I was in my younger years, before I thought I was all that, I used to write notes. I say that because, man, you know when you're hungry, man, for the word of God, you got your pen and your paper, but when you feel like you've arrived and that there's no more going to you, I'll come read to you. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these children. We can turn to Daniel chapter 3. And um, if I can get just three or four ministers up here, I'll, I just want us to read this scripture together. But I was asking, I said, God, you've been doing so much this year. How am I even going to talk about it? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little torn between do I talk about what God has done? Do I talk about who he is? Do I talk about what can I mean, he's been so good. He's taking my breath away. And so I'm. I'm not full of formality today because God has just been abundant in goodness. But if I had to give this message a title, it would be You don't have to be on a trial when you're in a trial. You don't have to be on trial when you're in a trial. And then I would subtitle it and say Resurrection Power, Resurrection Glory. So just speak that over yourself. I don't have to be on a trial. When I'm in a trial. Daniel chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 1. 
some uh, green down the verse. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was sixty cubits and which with six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. And the king, Nebuchadnezzar, sent words to gather together the press, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the province to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the property gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, all peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you yeah, shall fall down and worship oh, the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Seven says, so at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lair, and symphony with all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And eight says, therefore at that time, certain Chaldeans came forth and accused the Jews. And said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the coronet, the flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, set foot, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, y'all got some even if he doesn't. Right, right, right. But, but I got some people in the house of God that can say, God, you really don't have to do another thing to me to prove that you are who you say you are. That's right. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you today, Satan. We want to make it clear to you today, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so fierce. You know the enemy gets so fierce when you decide to worship God despite the circumstances. When you decide to worship God Despite the outcome. When you when you make a decision, a lot of us God don't even know that you're on a trial right now. Your faith is on trial. And the reason why your faith is on trial is because your faith is being tested. But the thing is, you don't know that you could be walking with God for years. And I've seen this happen in my own walk and how we get caught up in it. We could be walking with God for years, but it feels like our faith in God is depending on what's right in front of us. Meaning that God, we so good. You praised him over the one mountain. He was good and he was great. But now he's got you in the valley. And you're thinking subconsciously, if God doesn't do this thing, if he doesn't answer this prayer, he's not who he says he is. By this one moment, the enemy will try to reduce your faith down to one moment in your life. But if I look back over the moments of my life, see, I don't just thank God for the times that he opened doors, James. We thank God for the times that he shut them. But there were things that I saw dimly. And I said, God, why didn't you do this for me? And I wanted it so bad. And I might have been immature and angry at God. But when I look back, I'm thankful that he didn't allow the things that I wanted to happen happen when I wanted to say it again. Say it again. I'm thankful that he didn't allow me out of the fire when I wanted to get out. I know that's right. You might be in a trial today, but you're not on a trial. He commanded, excuse me, 619, and never connected with soul furious with Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times higher than usual. 
Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the golden furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the man in. Paraphrasing that, a lot of people die from what we're going through right now. But God still got you. A lot of people didn't make it out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, can I get a suddenly? You're going to be a church today. He said, suddenly, in an instant, in a moment, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three of them? And throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty. We certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out! Come out and come here. Somebody said there's a fourth man in the fire. Fourth man in the fire. There's a fourth man in the fire. Father, I thank you for loving us so much that you sent your son Yeshua, Jesus the Christ. Not only to die for our sins, but to redeem us. To live not only with him, but in him. I think that we live in him, that there is a fourth man in the fire, and we are in him. And so I thank you that we can't be consumed because he is an all-consuming fire, and we are in him. And so right now, we step out of what it feels like and what it looks like, and we step into him. And we say, Christ is our life. When we are overwhelmed, Christ overwhelms, he'll overwhelm us. When we are consumed, Christ consumes what is consuming us. And so, Father, I thank you for the shalom of God that is here. That distractions and things on the outside will not affect us from hearing what your spirit has to say to us. I thank you that many people are coming up, they're coming out, and they're coming forth. Even right now. Deliverance is happening even right now. Healing is happening even right now. Resurrection power and glory be released in this room. Even right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you and I bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I feel the presence of God, y'all. I can feel just the peace of God, the shalom of God. His presence. He, uh, it's so amazing reading these stories, but you walk with God long enough, you realize you got to live this one out. God desires us to be living epistles right by now. So he doesn't just desire us to know the word and speak it. He desires us to be living epistles right by now. And so this passage is so fitting for the season that God just brought me out of and the season that he had me in. I feel like uh, 
He's perfecting what he's to say. It's not just about what he's doing. It's about who Moses is becoming. See, God is doing amazing things, but that's not the most amazing thing he's doing. What he's doing is he's forming us to become who we thought we never could be. And that's limitless. You are limitless in Christ Jesus. He told Moses, he said, Moses, it is I who pardon Pharaoh's heart that I might get greater glory. That I might get greater glory. That the law of man that tells you what you can do or not do won't be a law anymore. God says, I open doors that no man can shut, and I right. shut doors that no man can open. Right. I turn the heart of a king. Right. But the question then becomes, how do I walk through a season like that? How do I walk through that? Well, the church is in a resurrection season now. Uh huh. But God is wanting to mature us, and He is maturing us through the fire. Of deliverance and sin and what people are doing, but deliverance simply 
is being delivered from belief systems that we believe that are inferior to the word of God. Meaning that our sin, the things that we do that are just not right, they're really just an indication of an inward belief system. So let's just say right now you are walking through a situation in your life and you find yourself constantly being worried and concerned. You don't have enough. You don't have enough money. You don't know where the next bills are going to get paid, coming from. And you're stressing because your job is not giving you the promotion that you need. Can I be real in the house? So I'm just, I don't know if I'm speaking to somebody, but you're stressing about this, and that stress is creating frustration, it's creating worry, and you need to be delivered from that. Now watch this. The deliverance that needs to happen is really your belief system. Because your belief system that you believe that it's the job that your promotion is coming from is what's bringing upon that condemnation and that word. How do I know that? Because that's what the word of God says. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him would perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. He said, But you are condemned because of your unbelief. Meaning you're condemned, you're depressed, you're worried because you don't believe that your son, the son of God, is your source, is your security, is your provision. You believe that your job is. Or maybe like many of us, we, we believe God is, but we also waver between two opinions, between God and our job. So God told Elijah, tell the people, why do you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is the Lord, then serve the Lord. You gotta make up your mind. But if Baal is the Lord, if your job is the Lord, if man is the Lord, then serve man. But don't waver between two opinions. Make up your mind. So God is delivering us so that we can have a sound mind. Anybody want a sound mind? Yes, God. God, I think you're delivering idols right now. Come on, right now, in the presence of God is where you see life. Meaning that you can see the thing that is actually causing you to worry and have anxiety. You can see it in his presence. So much so, you say, God, I give you this. I made this thing an idol. I trusted more in this thing than I did in you. I made this thing my security, and I take it off. Mm-hmm. I take it all. And I declare that you are my security. Forgive me for trusting another false God that make more sense. That that seem easier to believe. This is a real like this is this is church, y'all. This is a place right here where you get free. So I feel God pausing right now because there's this is just real. Some of us, it's our children we make an idol, it's our spouses we make an idol. We have dependencies on things and on people, and when they go do what we want, our peace is gone immediately. God says it doesn't have to be that way. You are only condemned because you don't believe that I use this peace. I am your I may use them, I may use this, but I am. All you gotta do is give it to God. Just really give it to him, lay it down, and God will take it away. Your peace is going to be restored. Your sanity is going to be restored. 
In Jesus' name. That was just warm up, y'all. We get started off. We still here, too. I knew God brought me. I said, God, you literally, you can, you can point so much to me. To the fire, to the glory, to the presence. I said, God, if I'm coming here, I said, God, they might have to give me some time. It's all right. Because my job when I come here is to release as many keys as I can for what God has done in my life. Amen. I'm doing right now because I know it's a testimony. It's a testimony to what he wants to do. And God shares testimonies. He's only advertising what he wants to do in your life. Amen. He's not there. He, he's no respectable person. He's just only testifying of what is possible in your life. So, but when I left here and we went to Atlanta, God was giving me this vision. He actually told me, he said, we're going to Atlanta to be a part of an Acts 2 community and a new wine skin for our community. That's one of the things that God is doing that night. He's bringing the church into a new line. Or a new paradigm. Or a better way to say it is a new mind. A mindset that's not limited. The church has had a limited mindset. We said, we can't do church. So God gave us a ministry. He's like, we need a building. I said, you don't need a building. I say you need a building. So people will wait 10 years and be ineffective in ministry because they're waiting for a building. My God said, no, I'm actually calling you to be a church. I'm actually calling you to walk the streets. I'm actually calling you to pray. I'm actually just calling you to be the church right where you are. I'm actually calling you just to be faithful. And you feel like I'm limiting you and I'm withholding you. But actually, I'm calling you to be a new wineskin. For the old things are passed away. God is doing a new thing. We are inside of a school, y'all. Now, I, I don't, y'all got to tell me what God is doing. I can see it. I remember when churches had to rent school to hold services. It's like the table turned a little bit to me. It's amazing how a vision can change over time. It's amazing how you can see it one way, and then God does it just the other way. God is divorcing us from the way you see. Yeah. Because the way you see what God has told you to look way different is the way that He wants it to come about. Right. So that's why it's so good not to be married to your expectations of what it looks like. Because your expectations could be a limitation. Your expectations could be a negative. Your expectations could be the thing that's telling you that this is not going to happen because it doesn't look like what you expect. And God could be saying to you, it doesn't matter if it looks like what you expect. You don't need what you think you need for me to do what I want to do. Well. So I go there, I go to Atlanta, and God speaks this to us, and I saw it. I saw it the way I saw it like we always see it. You know, you need to be part of Dr. Ray's ministry. You know, you're going to see it. We see it big. We're going to see it big. And so sometimes it can be frustrating because you see it big. God's got you being faithful with the living. Yeah. You're seeing it big. You're seeing it global, but God's got you being faithful with the local. But that's how God works. He works like that. Because he gets something bigger. So I get out there in Atlanta, and you know my wife, I mean, you know, we just experienced the supernatural hand in favor of God. And we, we got blessed with talent. And while we were in talent, we started facilitating this back to community there. Over, we start showing you things. Started serving our own students, paying our own insurance, our own money. And um, we were just showing you to love it, to 
why we sing to our children, why God is also so many great things. This thing is wrong. How many got a baby that's wrong? Some of the baby that's wrong. You started off with one baby, now you find you got two. He's like, oh God, I don't want to do this. You go back and it's textual. You're like, that's, that's how it feels. Uh, Rain. God was in the roadest thing, and then we're still in this place. And I remember we came to Maryland actually in January 2020, right before COVID. And uh, we came, we were gone for about three weeks traveling. And um, when I was here, I was at my family at my wife's mother's house. And while I was sleeping, I had a dream. And in the dream, I literally was given a key in the dream passenger. To this day, I don't remember. If I woke up or if the dream just felt that real. I had the key in my hand. So much so that I had the key and I was so tired and God just he prayed for me all the time. And you know how you can pray about it. I'm sick again. Pull me on, God. You gotta learn to love me with your life. You gotta be a child and follow God. Law too. 
You are not your feelings either. You are above. And now believe. So this fire that we've been going through is for the perfecting of the saints. That we not be carnal-minded. That when he said to Nebuchadnezzar, he says, you want to get into the kingdom? You must be born of the spirit. You must be born from above. To the fire. And so, I was like, oh, man, he just got back from three weeks. I still live in Israel. He just got back from three weeks. God, we walked in the But I knew God was up to something. Because I learned, you know, God gives you a truth. God gives you a word. I've learned that persecution comes for the word's sake. I just learned, the, I'm learning the ways of God. God, teach me the ways. That's our prayer. Teach us the ways. We look for the works, but no, it won't always come about it's how you think it is. So I say, teach me your ways. So I can understand when you're working. You don't look like it. I get into this hotel room, me and my wife get over there, and the people are cleaning our, our home. And we were there for a few days. It's our son's birthday. You know, you, you, you can find any room to complain if you want to. And uh, so we stayed there for a few days, and then one day I was praying, and I just felt God said, Don't go back to that church. This is our time. I wasn't expecting to Don't go back there. I was like, Wow. You know, the first thing I thought, then, I, you know, God speaks this type of stuff to us. But the first thing I thought was, Nah. I was like, Oh, God. I was like, my baby, I'm tired. So I go in there and tell her, before I go to my mom, she never said to me, she said, hey, I don't feel like I'm supposed to go back to that place. If me and my baby get into agreement, oh my goodness, hell better like just move. It's just been like that. And so she's like, and, and, when I was praying, God told me to call this man. He was a businessman, a real estate man that I had been praying with for years. He was like, he owned many, many properties in Atlanta. And I've just been walking with him, being faithful. We've just been praying together on Wednesdays. And a few months prior to this specific incident, we were, uh, I was at my house and he called me and he said, hey, I want to go pray for this building, this house. It was 188. And we walked on the outside of the building. We just prayed over it. And we both heard the same thing about the building that the place was broken. So we heard that. And he was asking God to step into this project. And when we both heard it, it was the truth for him to just step in. And when he stepped in, the Lord just opened it up and he was able to occupy his property. So that had happened. We prayed for it. We've seen God do that miracle. So when I was praying, I said, God, I walked in to tell my wife, she said, Babe, I feel like we're not supposed to go back there. She said, I feel like you should call Esther. <laughs> so, so I was like, well, I was going there too. So I was like, okay. And at that point, the only instruction I had from the Lord was, don't go back. And I just felt like the Lord was like, I'll make it clear in 30 days. I just felt that impression from God. And I was knowing as I go. So I called our leasing office. It was the Forbidden of God. He said, Listen, you know what happened? We'll let you out the lease. They let us out of our lease. Uh, you know, that doesn't happen, right? And then they, they offered to fund us back for the money we paid for. Wow. So wow. then I called my friend, and when I called him, I 
said, hey man, I know this may sound crazy, but we just got back, like job, strange situation. And then I said, um, I said, I need a place for like 30 days. Just to train, I'm in a transition place. I said, I feel like God told me to call you. So he said, come over to the building we prayed for. I just stopped the police. I got this, I just got it. Come over. So we leave the hotel, we drive over. It's a three-minute drive. And when we drive over, he hands me the master key to the property. He hands it to me, and he says, pick any one of these you want. So, you know, we have our children with us on this journey, y'all. Oh, man, it's something about training up your children, brother. Oh, man, it gets hard. It gets challenging. But the glory, brother, is worth it. I mean, we, we have a book that we have of testimonies of our children, the, the miracles that they've seen God do. They see God working. They, our little daughter is in the house and she says, Daddy, you know Jesus. I mean, we've seen God. I was, we were teaching in the scriptures one day. And they were trying to learn them. I said, you'll get it. You'll learn them. I said, but you got to understand that these are just witnesses and accounts of other men's lives that walk with God. I said, we have a whole book of things. And I said, and they can just tell you, we saw God do this, we saw God do this, we saw God do that. That's why it's so important that we live out our testimony. Because our testimony is for this generation, for this dispensation, for this time. Because the, those disciples were just witnesses. What are you a witness of? I'm just telling you my witness right now. So the guy gives it to me. He gives me the key. We move in. And the first three days, God starts speaking down to me. He's showing me vision of the community. He starts showing me what he showed me when I moved. This is going to be an active community, a new one experience. And he starts showing me this. And God. Literally, without getting into all the details, through, through COVID and through it all, God made it possible and made it happen. He made it possible and he made it happen. But he made it happen and he made it possible through the fire. Meaning that my marriage went through fire in 2020. We were going through fire. And God was turning up the knot seven times higher. How many of y'all like COVID 2020? Did it get seven times higher with anybody? Well, COVID in your house. I ain't talking about your heat service there. I'm talking about your heart on the I'm talking about your soul. I'm talking about your conversations. I'm talking about your trauma. I'm talking about the old things that you couldn't run away from. He was turning that thing up. And we all, we was all trying to get out. It was hard. And God was turning that up. I didn't realize that, you know, I'm from right around here in Happy Grace, Maryland. Grew up single mom, without a father. I didn't realize all the trauma of God was really trying to heal and deliver me. The trauma of rejection. Meaning that every time God didn't do something the way that I thought he should do it, the way I thought he should do it, the way I wanted him to do it, I didn't realize that what was making me upset the most I thought he was rejecting me. Wow. I felt like he was withholding from me. But that voice that was speaking that subconsciously wasn't the voice of God, it was the voice of rejection. Because I didn't have my father in my life. 
My wife had a different story. Her story was that of abandonment. That her father wasn't present for whatever reason, it rest of her opinion. So every time there were things that God called me to do, she would feel like I was leaving her. So that voice would try to come through that. So God allowed all of that to come up in 2020. In the fire. See, you know what the fire is designed to be? We got a, we got a, we got a nice little uh, cup of water, and you can't see the impurities in it. It just looks, it looks drinkable. Like, what's wrong with it? I know y'all heard about the crisis in Jackson, Mississippi. They had no water. But the, the, the fire, what it does is it purifies the impurities out of Right. The things that you can't see to the next eye. See, God is not just wanting to bring us into a new place, He's wanting to perfect the thing so that when we get into that place, not only will they say, look at what the Lord has done, they'll say, look at you. That's what the church really has to get an understanding of. We've been more fascinated about the place that God has taken us and not the process. The process is what's making us. God told me, he said, what I'm about to do is going to be great, but it's not greater than what I'm doing in y'all. It's not greater than what I'm doing in y'all. For creation is not waiting for another pastor, apostle, teacher, on, prophet, evangelist, uh, artist. Doesn't need another building. <laughs> creation is groaning for sons. Yes, yeah. For those who know who they are in Christ. And I don't know why God takes us through this process, but I know that it's been necessary for me. Because he's been breaking the limitations off of me to help me to understand that, Brandon, you think that when you get there, on that side, you're going to have more influence. But I'm trying to show you that there's never a greater place that you will ever get to where you will have more success, more money, more influence that's greater than the influence that you have right now seated in me. We haven't known who we are in Christ. And I say that humbly. This is this has been God showing me. I'm showing you who you are. I remember one day we were up in that room and we prayed all 2020. And I remember the guy who gave us another unit that meets on the penthouse floor. We would just go up there and pray two hours, three hours, four hours. And God was getting more busy, more busy. You know, prayer is a blessing. Prayer is a provision. Prayer is a resource. Prayer is a strategy. And worship is everything. So the days where I'm like, God, you're showing me this. You're giving me this absolute community. You're showing me what, what it is that you want to do. And if I have no team, I have no resources. And God began to speak to me. He said, Brandon, don't speak me for the need. He said, worship me asking you. He said, worship me asking you. So the, the, the plane is getting bigger. The money is getting bigger. And God said, just worship me. It's 3.5 million. Worship me at 3.5 million. So I'll be in my closet in the secret place looking foolish. But worshiping God. God, you are the physician. You are the administrator. You are the operator. You are the marketing. You are the I was just going after it. For the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, he who comes to God must first believe that he is. See, we've been taught to come to him with the what, when, why, where, and how first. And you get consumed because when he doesn't speak that, then you waver in your faith. But God is not trying to give you all of that. What he wants to give us is himself. 
And he said that when you first seek me, seek me as. Yeah. When you seek me for who I am, and he said, I am a rewarder of them who diligently seek God has been giving me a lot of necessarily natural wealth, but what he's given me is a revelation of who he is. And I used to be frustrated at that. And he told Peter, silver and gold you don't have, but what you do have, I give you. He was trying to show Peter, and what he didn't have, what he did have. What you do have is greater than what you don't have. And watch this. The enemy will always try to get you to focus on what you don't have to rob you of who you do have. I gotta say that again. Listen to the, the language. The enemy will try to rob you of what you don't have. To rob you of who you do have. A lot of us are discouraged because of what we have and what we don't have. But you have something that's greater than what you have to do. Say it again. You have the greater one living in you. Say it again. Adam and Eve cannot teach this thing y'all can eat. Can we go there? So when Adam and Eve were in the garden, and the enemy deceived them to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he said to them, he said, if you eat of this tree, this will be good for gaining wisdom. Well, the truth of the matter is she already had wisdom. She had God. He told her that if you eat of this, you will gain pleasure. She already had pleasure. She had God. You know what Psalm 16 5 says in the Passion Translation? Write this down. If you want a new dream and a new vision for your life, I'm going to give it to you. And it's going to never change. Psalm 16 5 says this. He said, I have chosen the Lord as my inheritance. Let me paraphrase that. I have chosen the Lord as my dream. I have chosen the Lord as my promise. I have chosen the Lord. See, we've been taught that our inheritance is a thing, is a what, is a place, but it's a person. It is Jesus. It is Him. It's always been about Him. That's right. That's right. There is a revival of the knowledge of the glory of God being released into the earth. See, I didn't realize through what I didn't have that God was showing me who I didn't have. See, I just only thought Jesus was just my Lord and my Savior. Then I found out he was my healer. And then he put me in a situation that I didn't have no resources. I was praying and fasting. And then he revealed himself as my provider. And then he put me in a situation where I was going through counseling and I couldn't be delivered. Then he showed himself as my deliverer. Then I said, God, you've entrusted me with a, with a community in a city, God, that I didn't have to work for. And I said, God, well, I don't know how to administrate. He said, seek me as the administrator. So I began to seek him. And he said, he sent a woman, Pastor Bruce. A woman called me out the blue said, God told me to call him. She said, what do you need? I said, well, I've been seeking the Lord as an administrator. She said, well, I'm an administrator. She said, so tell me what you need. I said, well, as I've been seeking the Lord, he's been showing me a new way to do administration. Oh. As I've been seeking the Lord, he's been showing me a new way. And I started explaining to her, she says, well, that's the name of my company. She says, I'm moving to Tennessee, and I'm moving to come serve you in that way. He who comes to me must first believe that I am there, and that I'm rewarded of those who really didn't see me. I didn't know that this is what I had. 
She took some of you don't know my testimony, but after God healed me, she called me to seek as my daughter's father. She spent time showing my relationship. And when you're in that season, you know that that's what God has. Don't be distracted by what's not happening. Don't be distracted. Keep seeking Him. I had friends that were, I'm seeking God, believe for blessings. I had friends that wouldn't serve for God, getting opportunities that I felt like I deserved. God said to me, I know it appears that you ain't where they are, but they all took the stage. While I prepared you in the elevator behind doors with your creator. The door just opened up. Top floor, who set the table? Oh, I know I'm all over the place. I 
But in the Father's mercy and in the Father's wisdom, dealing with a rebellious people. That's right. That's right. He says, I'm going to give it to you so that you can see your inconsistency. But you can see that you were never made to be committed to a job like that, to a thing like that, to a person like that. That ain't going to never motivate you like me. You ain't going to never be able to outserve me. But he allowed us to go through those childish, immature ways, 1 Corinthians 13. He says, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish things behind me. So thank God for his grace and his mercy. See, he's not condemning us.
I had been wanting a 1980 Honda. And God was like, you crying about the 1980 Honda, and I'm trying to give you a 2022. Wow. I'm trying to give you myself as a reality. But why is that important? Why is that powerful? Speaking to even those who are watching. Because we are in the greatest hour that we've ever been in the history of man. We are in the greatest time. We are in the greatest awakening. And we are in the greatest revival that has ever been. And why is that? Because the world is in a wilderness right now. But the purpose of the wilderness is to know the glory of God. See, the children of Israel thought the purpose of the wilderness was to get into the promised land. That wasn't the purpose. When God first spoke of the promised land in Exodus chapter 7, he said nothing about going into the promised land. He said, let my people go from Egypt so that they might go into the wilderness, watch this, for three days that they might worship me. Let them go for three days that they might worship me. The wilderness was always designed to be a worship experience. It was always designed to be the place where God, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know where I'm going to get bread from. It's where you discover that he is the bread of heaven. He is the bread of life. It's where you have the audacity in the face of a reality where people are living under a law that says, if I don't have this, I don't know how I'm going to live. If I don't have that, that the church rises up. Like Meshach and Abednego. They rise up. And even if he doesn't do it, we know he's able. We know he is more than able. We know he is. We know who he is. See, I'm in a fire right now. Can you tell? I'm on fire. When you're in fire, it's time to get on fire. You're on fire. I saw your worship. You are supposed to worship like you lost your mind. So you get out of your mind to his mind and see what he's thinking. See what he's doing. The way you worship, that should be what your secret place looks like every day. Everything you need is in your worship. Everything. More. More. You're asking God for more. But don't be a martyr trying to be busy serving the Lord. Look up at the face of Jesus. Don't let the Nebuchadnezzar of busyness dictate to you how to live your life. Busy doesn't mean better. Better is obedience than sacrifice. Your time with God is going to be better. It's better. So the enemy will tell you, you don't have enough time. You got more than enough time. Yeah. How, how, how could we tell God that we don't have enough time to spend with him when we're doing the thing that he told us to do? That's like walking into your job and your boss says, hey, come up here and come in the office with me. You say, no, I'm too busy right now. I'm too busy doing what I got to do for you. The boss is like, no, but I told you to come here and spend time with me. 
How do I know this here? It's not about what we do for God, it's about what we are not going to do with That's right. But to learn to, to learn to do things with him, you have to spend time with him. He said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me. Come learn. Come seek me after me. Come worship me after me. Worship me? What do you say? Worship me? Y'all. I want to give y'all something to hold. This is like. This is like uh, Mary and Elizabeth. It's something that they were pregnant with. I want y'all to worship God as me. I want y'all to take that up in your lives. I want y'all to take that up in your dreams. <coughs> I want you to ask God every morning, say, Lord, what name shall I call you on today? How do you want me to worship? The Lord may say, after first love. He may say, after hospitality. He may say, after protection. He may say, after whatever it may be. Because he's the I am that I am. I want you to do that. And I'm going to let the glory be the rest of the talk to you. He's going to show the glory to you a lot. You've got to look forward to the glory. You're going to see glory. You're going to see things that you thought time. You thought for years that you had enough time. I want to share you because my never can never was time. That's one of the giants that God has given in my life. It's time. When you get a little older, you know, there's a law that you get age that says you don't have enough time. Does God say that or does the law of age say that? And then we disagree with it. We get bound to it. We disturb it. And the older you get, the harder it is. Not believe the law of time. But God is just perfecting your belief in the face of the opposite reality. Don't feel good, right? So God gave us the community. Then God started telling me to seek Him as the inheritance, seek Him as the promise. I started seeking Him as the promise. I get an opportunity to go to Africa. And I went to Africa, God opened up the door for me to share minister of songs from like 50,000 people in Africa past week. The power of God was so strong amongst the ministers that all came to minister to the people. People were taking their children out of the hospital that had malaria, dropping them off at the festival, and they would be healed on the spot. People were leaving the secular uh, concerts to come to the Christian concert and be safe. The news started reporting on this. Because they have a different desperation to worship God. They don't have the options we have. He has to be provision. He has to be power. That's not just for them, that is for us and it's power. It is our inheritance. I was seeking the Lord at the promise. Come back from Africa, and after I got off the stage, they came to me and said, Brandon, can you come to Egypt? Can you just talk? And I got back and I had this community God had forgiven us. We just could see God. We've been seeing God do what I'm sharing with you with other people in this community. I've seen it. I mean, we've been seeing God touch the lives of young people and have them really draw closer to the Lord and see God do miracles upon miracles upon miracles. Miracles is not an abnormal thing of God. It's a 
those who believe in the miracles and wonders that follow. So when I'm talking to you about about things that will help us grow in our belief and our faith, and in church we get lax because when you take the focus off of it, and God begins to give us great things that He's doing and wants to do in our lives, but that's not the focus of the believer. God's going to do that as we know it. This, this message, revival, is all about turning our hearts back to Him that we can fall in love with Him again. And our hearts will be stirred in Him. Not because we need Him to do something else, but because we need the lover of our souls. Because you're hungry, you're thirsty, because you still have life here. Some of you want to leave and go home and be with the Father. He said, no, I want to be with you here and now, and I want to reveal myself to you now. God's going to reveal himself to you now. Well, you got some blessings coming and some favor on your life. You got a, you got a Psalm 23 here. I declare it over you. That the Lord is your shepherd, and you shall not want. That he may give you to lie down in green pastures. Oh, he naked you to lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside still waters. He said, I'm just making you to rest, my friend. He said, come and rest in me. He said, you've been weary. You've been tired. He says, you know what the church, what we have to learn to do? He says, y'all been taught how to believe. But the greatest thing that y'all need to learn how to do is receive. He said, it's receiving that creates belief. So when you're tired of believing, he said, that just means you need a doctor ray break. <laughs> we are totally in belief. And I have to go to God and say, God, believe and help me with my own belief. The gospel does not demand our faith. It supplies it. So when you, the gospel is not going to pump you up like this with what you have and you don't have anything. And God's saying, give me. No, God's saying, receive it. Boast in your weaknesses. For in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. When you don't have faith, God, I come into the presence of God and I look at my loving Father, who is not withholding from me. He's not a taskmaster. He's not a task driver. He is already flowing towards me with love and everything I need. And I say, Father, I receive. I need I receive grace. I receive faith where I don't have it. I receive love where I don't have it. I receive strength. In Revelation 21, he said, to him who overcomes, he will give them strength over the fountain of life. Freedom. The church. God told me, he said, when you know the way I believe you can overcome, he said, it's too great. He said, you ain't great enough. And I ain't talking about that scissor. I'm talking about that nuance. I'm talking about the strength of God. Talking about when the scripture says in Isaiah 55, why do you spend your money in what doesn't satisfy? Why, why are you why are you you're toiling? And he said, but you're not feeling satisfied. This is a safe, this is a good place in the church to be honest. This is not a condemnation. It's an upright. He says, Why? He said, Come to the river and drink. But when was the last time we came to the river and asked for drink? When was the last time? A lot of us are tempted with old addictions right now. Because you're not drinking from the presence of God. You're in the presence, but you don't open up your mouth. Just do, be a child for me right now. I want to be right now and speak to you. Just be a child. Close your eyes. If you're thirsty, you know it. If you're hungry, you know it. God works through all these. 
God told me this. He said, your needs are not just for me to meet them. Your needs are for me to meet you in them. But I need your needs to draw you to me. So if you're thirsty, you say, Lord, I need you. Feel the presence of God. We've been doing that. I'm really just feel, feel changing the presence of God. We need to drink from the presence of God daily. God showed me, took a bottle of water, and said, Brandon, this is how the church has been. The church has been like, been saying, like, take a bottle of water. They're like, you need the living water of God. We do. But this is how our mindset has been. He said, but Brandon, y'all been saying that, but you ain't been drinking. He said this. He said this. Having a bottle of water in the refrigerator does you no good just having it. It does no benefit to your body just knowing that it's there. The only benefit you get is when you actually take it, engage it, and drink it or see that. He said, y'all got nothing. So you're dying from dehydration. You're dying of thirst. And the temptation of the old things are coming back. Old habits, old addictions, old things that I've delivered you from. You're saying, God, why are these things coming back up? He says, because you're not drinking enough. It's the law of replacement. It's your design. God's not going to take thirst away. And if you don't drink of him, then you will desire the inferior things. You will desire the lesser things. Because you don't know that there's something better. And the word that Pastor Bruce said, he said, don't just be hearers, but be doers. Don't just be hearers, but be drinkers. See, we can't just be content with knowing God. We were made to experience Him. Yeah. Yeah. I was in Birmingham, and we started worshiping like this and releasing God. And a young guy that was nine years old jumped up on the stage and he started prophesying to me. And he never prophesied before. He didn't even know what prophecy was. Then I came out in front of the stage and there was a seven-year-old boy standing right there just looking in a daze. And you could just tell the guy had encountered him. And I walked up to him and I said, did God encounter you? I said, what did God say to you? He said, God told me to respect my mother. I said, God, how we're in a place where they're not teaching about prophecy or learning these things. How did they know that they were encountered? And how could they interpret without the spirit was doing? He said, that's the new thing that I've learned. Second Corinthians 2, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, I will teach them. This is just a page of what God is doing in our life. Do you understand my passion? He's only promised only a few people in here. It don't matter. You are hearing this message because he is advertising himself to you. Like 
like the billboard that say on Route 40 or 95, Budweiser, come and drink, you can't live without it. <laughs> and if you see that and hear that enough, you'll be like the Nebuchadnezzars, and you'll be like the Abednego's and Shadrach. And if you're not careful, the giant of time that got destroyed with you was you run like that. Literally, I came back from Africa and they gave me the NASCAR stadium. They gave me the, they gave it to, to do a ministry with them. They gave it to me. And then they gave me the money. I was like, what? And I was like, what am I supposed to do? They keep kicking me out of the loop. They keep kicking me out of the loop. And as he gave it to me, it literally started going from I mean, right now, on July 8th, right now, I mean, God has blessed us. We have Chris Conlon, and we have all these major worshipers, and the Lord has put us in a position to be able to have this. And literally, y'all, this was a six figure miracle that God did. And all he said was, keep me up. And just showing his glory. I was praying for it, and turning it. I see that great vision. Anybody see that? This is a new norm. This is what I always intended. The children of Israel were waiting to get into the promised land, but the glory of God was in the wilderness every day. But they didn't value what they had enough. They didn't know what they had, so they desired something inferior, not knowing that He was the promise. Came to me. I had to walk this out. And I, I fell in, I had to repent, wrong belief. I see how I was, but I said, now we'll come back. Return back to your first love. I'm sitting in there and we have this big debate, all this stuff happens, and we get to 30 days before the event. And everything that God has showed me, I was like, it didn't expect it was going to happen. God showed me so much, my faith is free. And I was like, oh, I see this, I see that, and I see this, and see that, and we were getting up to it, and it just looked like it was just going to be a regular conversation. And 30 days before the event, I was just, I was like leading up to it, and literally, it was like every day, this giant of time was like, and, I, and because in the natural, time just started getting lesser and lesser. We needed more resources for what God was showing And it was like, we get lesser and lesser, and I'm just engaging God, praying our team is working, and I remember I woke up one morning, and that day was on me. I was like, I got 30 days. I'm like, I was ecstatic. And God's like, come up higher. I'm like, yes, I mean. And as I was doing that, this, this, uh, this word came to me. And the Lord asked me this. He said, he said, am I outside of time? I said, yes. He said, so you're outside of time. He said, do I have more than enough time? I was like, yeah. He said, so you have more. He said, just join your life with me. And right there at that moment, it dawned to me that I had been putting pressure on myself to try to figure it out. And God had been speaking to me in earlier weeks during I'm delivering you from trying to fix it and trying to figure it out. He's delivering us. And he had said it to me, and I had been trying to think about the high hopes. I didn't even know I was going to be I was going to be And God said, no. I want you to declare that you have more than enough time because I have more than enough time. 
when I declare that truth, you know how the Bible says the truth shall set you free? When I declare that truth, it is like a weight fell off of me that I didn't know I was saying. And it was like God shut the mouth of that giant mind. He shut the truth. He shut it with me, not just believing that he was, but that the Bible says, as he is in heaven, so be in this earth. That he's not limited by time, we're not limited. Because he's been maturing us in the fire to be spiritually kingdom minded people. Kingdom minded people don't talk like regular people who are under time. They don't. As soon as that happened, I had shalom peace. I mean, literally, it was like that giant that was bullying me every day, he was squashed. It was true. So the next day, I was in our Wednesday prayer call. After we got out of prayer, I was sharing this with our team. I was like, God, show me this truth. And we just begin to worship you, God, for all the time. We just begin to take that truth and worship God with it. That's the purpose of truth. It's a sword in your hand. David said, listen, you uncircumcised Philistine. I'm not coming against you. I'm coming in the name of my God. I may not have enough time, but he does. So I'm going to slay you with his reality, not mine. That Philistine thought he was just dealing with him. I'm coming to you with stone and flame. I'm coming to you in the name of God. We're not, we don't just pray in the name. We are in the name. We live in the name. God is unifying his bride. He's saying, you are one with me. You are one with me. Our son is that. As soon as we got out of praising God like that, I get phone calls. As soon as we stepped out, phone rang. They said, Brandon, you wouldn't believe what just happened. I said, this is God's been on a roll. I've been like, listen, there's a season that's coming on in your life, and God's going to be famous now. He says, God's decree won't be long now. He says, blessings are going to pour off like wine, pouring off the hills. He says, it's going to be happening so fast, you won't be able to keep up with it. He says, one thing on top of the other. He says, you won't be able to even comprehend it. So, they call me and say, Brandon, guess what?
this moment, and he did this miracle. It dawned on me. I said, I felt like I was behind him. And God did a miracle in one day that caused us to be ahead of time. Hey, Jesus! Jesus! Resurrection power. Resurrection glory. Children of Israel, they the other nations prospered by silver and gold. 
But for the children of Israel, God said, I will be your king. Job chapter 32. He said, I will be your God. I will be your inheritance. I will be your portion. I will be your life. I will be your pleasure. Give birth. He's upbringing them. But they always wanted something lesser. Give us another key. Give us something lesser. He said, they're captive to that. They're captive to Nebuchadnezzar. They're captive to the law of these things. But your inheritance is me. So I'm going to defeat their army with no army, just me. Glory to God. Praise God. I'm going to, I was telling y'all it's me, but giving y'all sweatless victories. But yet it's still y'all still asking for something like this. God is perfecting our faith and our belief in the opposite reality. So I was standing in front of 30 days left, needing hundreds of thousands of dollars, needing more time, and all of our team was like, great, let's just settle. Let's just do it. And I wanted to. I wanted to just, you know, I was already tired. And it just made sense. Okay. But I couldn't. I just couldn't. And so in the face of not having enough time, God said, I'm more than that. And my only responsibility was to just believe. The responsibility of the believer is to believe. John 5, 29. For the work of God is to believe in the Son of God. The work of God is not to believe how it's going to get done. That's not your job. That's not, that's not, it was never the disciples' job. That's why he said, oh, you have little faith. It wasn't that they didn't have faith. It was that their faith looked like this. God, show us how it's going to get done. We'll know it's going to get done. Show us the way. Show us the strategy. Tell us how. Tell us where. And the whole time, this is why he was saying, oh, you have little faith. Look, I've done that before. I did that. He says, but well, you don't have faith yet You don't know that. I, you don't believe that I am above time. You don't believe that I am your marketing. I am your source. Because you would live differently. You would think differently. You would worship differently. When you see no opportunities and no options in your life, you would know that that's an opportunity to lift me up and magnify me. My, my, my. You would know it's resurrection time. Man, I get a low pass. Man, can I get an eight? Man, I'm closing. I'm just. Generation Z, design generation. They got different dreams. That's James. Their mind is set on earthly things. Their mind is set on eternity. They don't know, they don't know that these earthly things that we can just, ah, oh, we want to get. We got to hang out. Nah, set your mind on the time things for Christ did it for that and he did it for that. Shit, upgrade and throw a house. You believe in God for a house? Begin to declare Psalms 91. He said, if you say of the Lord, he is my life, and if you make the Lord, I said, while I'm waiting for my house, I'm going to get this house my door. Okay. I'll be in the penthouse of God. 
time or minute. There you go. He says, if you delight yourself in me, I will give you the desires of your heart. I don't know you got to do you got to do. You can do what you do, but I want to just bring a reality to me that's longing. Like you, I get why you said, I just want to give you myself. Because it's what I'm longing for. Something greater. Greater, Lord. Worship God in the face of the opportunity. Thirteen. God, the, 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 the thing that we have, we have to learn to do, this is tough, but the grace of God is sufficient. You know, he actually will do it with grace and power. Is that we have to learn to stay in touch with time. Your faith has to be stand in touch with time. For me, in this, God can say this, and I can say, go worship God at this position. And tomorrow, nothing happens. Yeah, I'm like, all right. And the second day, nothing happens. And the third day, nothing happens. Then it gets worse and worse and worse. Which one is What you're doing is you're learning to stay in touch with time and go to the And I said earlier, you don't have to be on side of the inner side. What I meant by that is, when you're in a trial, let's put it in a court, in a court case. You're on trial, and the prosecutor or the accuser of the brethren is coming up against you. His job is to accuse the brethren day and night before God. His job is to say, see, God, that faith. He ain't just talking about you all day. He ain't just talking about you. God is talking about you. So here's the key. Um, God, thank you for knowing this one. God said, anytime the enemy reminds you about you, he reminds them about me. Anytime he reminds you about you, what you've done, and where you at, and da 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 faith you got, remind him about me. That's game cutting off the hair of the child. Woo-hoo. I love that kind of thing. You've got to stay in that test. You're being refined. You're being matured. You're learning. You're something great. You're resurrection. You're learning to stay in the test of time. This is just perfecting our brain. This is something I'm doing. The, the Hebrew boys, they had to stay in the test of time. They had to stay in the test of contradiction. What do you do when God says something and you're looking at the opposite thing? What do you do? I think it was uh, Donald McCurtain. He said, yeah. After you've done all you can do, I've been there before. This is, I'm having a moment right now. This is a moment right now, just for you. You just stand. You just stand. The battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. Stand still and see his salvation. See Jesus. See what he's already done in your life. Don't see what you think you've done to cause this to happen. See what he's done in the place of what he's done. For you are not wrestling with flesh and blood. You're not wrestling 